The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where this week, like every other week of every other year, we're working our fingers to the bone to bring you the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And today is question and answer day. I know it was just question and answer day last week. How can it be question and answer day again? Well, whenever it's the week after the national summit, people just have lots and lots of questions. And I thought I could do a guest and then I'm going to get a bunch of calls with people saying, uh, so I was at the summit last week and I heard that something, 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 and the guests will be gone. What the heck's going on? So, yep, decided to do Q- two Q&A days in a row and take whatever questions you might have, whether you were at the summit or not. 877-772-9658 is the number here in the studio, 877-772-9658. Or if it's your preferred method of contact, you can always uh, send an email to askvina at gmail.com. Although I'm going to say that if the smart boy is listening to the sound of my voice, I could use his help because my computer will not connect to the internet. And that makes it difficult for me to actually see the questions that might have come in on asvina at gmail.com. But luckily, Nick from Philadelphia is going to save our rears in the first couple minutes of the show because he has called in on line one. Nick, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hey, how are you? I'm doing good, Nick. How are you? I'm doing well. Did you have a question? (laughs) Yes. So Matt had uh, asked me to come on. So we had a really good seller meeting yesterday. Uh, in regards to that potential master lease on the six-unit building that we discussed. Okay, so Nick, hang uh, on a second. You and I know what you're talking about. Matt clearly knows what you're talking about since he apparently asked you to call and tell what I'm hoping is a success story. But maybe we better catch up all the listeners a little bit about what the story was leading up to whatever happened yesterday. Sure. Okay. So I am in discussions with the owner of a six-unit multifamily building in a really good uh, section of Philadelphia. They had contacted me, off-market deal, that they wanted to sell the property. Um, When I initially went out there to meet them, 
they had numerous realtors out to the place and they were getting values, a range of value all over the place, anywhere from 1.9 million to 1.2 million. And this is a property that's in great condition, um, dated, but everything is literally, um, you know, it's owner occupied six unit. They're, they're doing a lot of very good management on the asset. Um, it's really just something where you can come in and upgrade the cosmetics and probably bump the rents $300 per unit, if not a little bit more. And so, you know, obviously they purchased the property in 1978 for 30 grand. Mm -hmm. So there would be a huge tax implication for them selling today at any price, um, you know, realistically. Mm -hmm. And so I discussed um, a few different ways of how we can structure it. Um, various different ways of owner financing or what, what, what the numbers would be at a straight cash sale. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to just come on here and just talk through a little bit of the basics of the deal with you and we can just run it down if you think it would add value to the poll. Okay, so one of the things that came out of this these discussions you were having with these buyers and some, or these sellers and some potential buyers was the other investor buyers, not the realtors who came in to get the listing, sure. but the actual buyers thought that the real value was probably closer to like 1.2 million than yes. 1.9 million. And these sellers seem pretty obsessed with a price of 1.5 million, which is quite a bit more than what the market has told you you ought to pay. So I don't actually know what the latest offer you made was so i had so after meeting with them yesterday um, i basically ran through the underwriting i cleaned up the financials that they give me in regards to their income and their expenses um i went in and i basically added in some some bank underwriting uh numbers of management fee vacancy factor um those sort of things that they did not have built into their numbers and I basically said, I said, look, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, look, I'm, I'm really not that different than any other buyer in the sense of I'm going to go to my local commercial lender who I have somewhat of a relationship with. I'm going to give them the leases that you're presenting me with. I'm going to plug in X, Y, and Z, and and, 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 and LTV is going to spit out. And my offer is going to be my, the other guy's offer, so on and so forth. And, and honestly, really quickly after doing that, they actually kind of understood right away of how in this current lending environment where rates currently are at, of how the number's kind of the number. And that was actually a pretty eye-opening moment for me, too, is that when you explain it in the way of, like, my hands are tied, here's the math, mm -hmm. a lot of people kind of get it. Mm -hmm. So I basically said, look, you're stuck at 1.5, so... And now, in the meantime, the, the the owners were open to a creative solution. The only kind of hard metrics that we had to stick to within the transaction was that they're looking to move to the Poconos. They have a nice piece of land out there that they want to develop and move into as their primary residence. They need 500000 to build that property. Mm -hmm. And so essentially what they're telling me is that they need 500000 down from the seller finance transaction. Okay. So 30% so, 30, 30 down, basically. Yeah. And so obviously at, at that point, you're looking at this thing, you're like, look, it actually makes more sense to revert this thing back to a straight cash sale and just borrow 
25% of the 1.2, or even if you were paying 1.5, it's still, from a leverage standpoint, you would have to bring less money to the closing. So that didn't work. So we came up with a creative solution in that the owners have a $100,000 mortgage balance on the property. Mm-hmm. What if they reached out to their existing lender, borrowed the money, the 500k they need to construct that property, tax-free now since it's a loan, what if they borrowed the money for a short-term 12 or 18 months, interest only, to construct the home they have up there? While still, you know, it's tax-free, it's a loan on their asset. I mass-released the whole building from them at a set amount, which we have kind of yet to negotiate, but we threw out kind of rough numbers. I managed the building, the tenants, the hassle, the construction, or the value-add aspect of the deal. Anything over and above what we negotiate, I keep all the upside and the rental bumps and probably a, a, a nice buffer on the front end. Mm-hmm. And then I option to purchase the property from them for $1.5 million, And we're hoping at a time much later down the road, I think preferably we said 10 years. And we actually we got Matt on the phone as well, and he kind of filled in some gaps on how this whole thing will be structured. And they actually, they reached out to me this morning with a nice text message, and they kind of want to explore it. And they're looking forward to kind of putting this whole thing together now. And so that's kind of where we're at. Okay, <clears throat> so let me let me make a let me make a verbal T-bar here for listeners. The sure. the sellers wanted 1.5 million because they had been told by agents that it could sell for that, not because they had any actual numbers proving that it could sell for that. And now they're getting 1.5 million. It's just you've got hopefully up to 10 years to pay that 1.5 million, and of course by that time it'll be worth more they needed half a million dollars in cash to go buy some land or they've got their own land to, to construct a house on the land yes they're going to get that half a million dollars by borrowing borrowing against their apartment building which as you said would be tax-free for them while we're actually selling the building would be way way not tax-free at this, at this point, they're, they've owned it for so long that their basis is zero. So whether they got 1.2 million, 1.5 million, whatever, they would owe capital gains taxes on that entire amount of money. So they would be in the hundreds of thousands of dollars that they would lose to capital gains taxes. And now they're not going to lose that because you're not buying the property from them right now. And you're going to pay them a monthly rent of something that is lower than the current net operating income, so they continue to get income, but then as you raise the rents, your rent to them stays the same. So you're getting control of the building, you get the confidence to upgrade it because you've got this option to buy, so you're willing to put money in it. You're not having to put half a million dollars down. You're getting a payment that makes you money, and you're getting a property that by the time you have to buy it for $1.5 million is probably worth a whole lot more than that. Exactly. And so there's still a lot of the details that need to be figured out um, in regards to some of the variables as an option fee. I think they're going to want something, uh, a cash infusion. Um, you know, obviously, we're going to have to formulate what that offer to them uh every month will be for the lease, um, which once we get what their lender is going to quote them on the 
on the, the cash out refi for the construction of their new primary. Mm-hmm. We're going to take that number and, and kind of formulate what a true net after they pay that loan would be. Mm-hmm. And the, the goal of that eventually, too, is once that, that home is constructed, it's probably going to be even cheaper for them to just refinance into a into permanent financing on that primary. Okay, so <clears throat> on that option fee question, I understand what you're saying, that they, you know, they're going to, quote, want you to have skin in the game. Are they in agreement that the apartments need to be updated? Like, can they sure. can they see that, or are they kind of living in this world where it's 1970s kitchens are still okay? No. So, so here's the story over there. Their current in-place rents are, are realistically probably at the top of the market in what you can get for them. Like, they've done a pretty good job of pushing them. Like, as is, maybe there's a hundred dollar bump here or there. But yeah, if I'm gonna, you know, to get the real jumps, I'm gonna have to do mini split units. I'm going to have to modernize the kitchens, do some new vanities, uh, washer and dryer in the units instead of in the basement, and that's where the real value add is. So they, they understand that I'm going to bump the rents the rent by doing that. So so, what's it going to cost you to do that? Just rough, rough numbers. Uh-huh. Rough numbers, I'm guessing, if I'm going to have to do it over six units. Um, I, I want to budget 150000 Mm-hmm. Okay, so what if you offered something like, I will give you a, I'll give you a, a meaningful but relatively small option fee up front of $10,000, and then I will put another 150000 into this property over the course of the next 18 months, and if I don't, I owe you another $140,000 in option fee. So here's here here's an even better question that's going to help you formulate the offer. He, he doesn't necessarily want the option fee for the sake of me having skin in the game. He just says to me, Nick, look, I also want to do things in my life like help my daughter, for example. He's like, you know, she's living in a, in a house that she wants to eventually buy. I'd like to be able to go and give her a down payment to purchase that house. So he, they want like a nice cash infusion at some point for some life event like that, if, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. First, just getting it from me, just to get it from me so I have skin in his assets. He's already understanding of like, hey, this guy's going to come and spend money in a building that I own and upgrade everything and take the risk of doing that. So that's kind of already his skin in the game. Mm-hmm. They, they kind of feel, from what I gather, that's how they feel. Mm-hmm. So they're looking for they're they're saying in the future we might want more money than you have than we're getting from this loan that we're taking out against the property. Yeah, or maybe that maybe that's the answer. Maybe take out a little bit more loan money up front. Maybe we can picture paint the picture that that would be better. Or depending on how much that loan ends up costing them, they could use that money to go pay for the house, and then they could, in fact, refinance the house and also keep that money. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? If they if they could build a house that's worth 500, they should be able to borrow 400 against it, no problem. Okay. And depending, and that's their new. There, there, there's there's more money for them. And you are con- you are continuing to pay 
through your month, monthly rent payments, the payment on their loan that they're getting to build the house. I mean, they've got a little, you know, bank there with that, what's going to be a paid off house. So they don't refinance. So what you're saying is once they do permanent financing on their primary, don't use that money to pay back the interest only loan yeah, on they, the fixed unit. They could just keep it. And then... You, I mean, you'll you'll know the math better in a few days when you work out what your monthly payment to them will be, but it's possible that your monthly payment covers both the payment on the half-million-dollar loan on the apartment building and also on their house. Got it. Okay. So I, I have some other questions for you and just kind of thinking through a lot of these things. We're going to have to have some fail-safes in the agreements if, if, if this thing does come to fruition, which as of right now, it looks like we're going to at least take it down that path. The deal may become, you know, in the next week or two, the deal may become better for them and may become better for me, so on and so forth. What type of protections do we put in place of, like, let's say if, if these sellers, let's say they up and left and I couldn't find them in order to execute my sale seven years down the road. Like oh, they just up and- we're going to put protections in place, Nick. They're going to sign an option agreement that you're going to record, and they're also going to assign a mortgage to secure option that says, look, if, if, you know, I I made a promise, they made a promise. If I don't keep my promise, they evict me and it's their building. If they don't keep their promise, then what? And the answer to then what is I have a mortgage against this property that's got no payments on it. They don't owe me any money. What they owe me is a property. And I will take this property to foreclosure if necessary to get this property. Now, that's really – that we do that on all lease options and options. Just be, it, And it's usually not because I'm afraid that the seller is going to refuse to sell it. What I worry about more is that the seller dies – and the heirs don't know that this transaction has taken place, and they go, "Woohoo! I inherited a million and a half dollar apartment building, or you know, two million dollar apartment sure. building," and then they go to sell it, and they discover that some some dude talked mom and dad into selling it for one point five million dollars seven years ago, and we're not going to sign the deed. Well, except so, you are, because you can't you can't sell it with these title flaws and also mom and dad were did it for their own reasons seven years ago and it was none of your business and you know they wanted to build a house and they built a house and you don't get now to say they did the wrong thing so yeah we'll we'll just get that paperwork into place and on top of that to take it even further this is also going to be a little bit the rules in regards to foreclosure and all that we're going to have to look into pennsylvania law a little bit more of how we structure this paperwork as well, correct? Uh, yeah, you're definitely going to run it past a Pennsylvania attorney who knows what they're talking about. Most attorneys, when they first yeah, look at these, they're like, you can't do that. You're not loaning them any money because they don't understand that mortgages don't secure loans. They secure promises. But I'm sure we can find you the right person. And, yeah, just just finish hammering out the numbers because until the numbers are ha- are hammered out, there's nothing else to really do. But, yeah, the, the paperwork that you're worried about getting already exists. Got it. Okay. And they they would also – what's even more interesting is that they would like to keep an apartment in the city, quote-unquote. So they want me to structure something where they're leasing one of the units from me. 
And then we laughed. I said, you're leasing me your building, and I'm leasing it back to you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll have to talk about how that might work because that's, um, yeah. And they understand the rent is probably going to be higher. Like, they, they, like you know, that, I, but again, no, it's one other factor. of Maybe we can play with their monthly payment in, 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 in a way that's beneficial to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll have to see how all that how all that works itself out that's just all part of the numbers that's just all part of the what's the monthly payment going to be and all that stuff so congratulations on getting this far no thank you so much i couldn't do it without you that's <laughs> uh yeah very very creative deal and um i think more apartment buyers should know about lease options because you're about to save these people hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes for at least 10 years oh my god and then like when i when i basically told them that I say at the end of the day, when you really look at the math of this stuff, it's actually like you're selling the building to me at like a $1.8 million valuation given your tax savings. So, And they were like, they were looking at me like I was God. It's <laughs> well, an interesting way to put it. All right, Nick, uh, we, go. we got to go. We got a, a break coming up here, and I appreciate your call and very interesting deal. So thank you very much. Thanks, Nick. Okay, I guess he's gone. All right. Uh, you're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's, it's in fact, question and answer day. I know that seemed like a really long question, and yes, the question started before Nick came on the air. I've been talking about this deal for a couple of days, but um, why not, I guess? Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk to Ed, also in Pennsylvania, on line two. If you have questions, you can call 877-772-9658 or send them to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. We're having another Q&A day. I think we skipped some months over the summer, so two in the month of November, especially right after the big national summits, probably an okay thing. Uh, let's go to line two and talk to Ed. It just says from Pennsylvania. <laughs> Ed, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hi, Vina. Thanks for having me. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay. Um, this is kind of a probably like a, a back-ended plug because um, I know I need to buy your kind of principal-only seller finance offer course, um, which is on my to-do list. Um, I have kind of two deals. They're they're both from source from the same realtor. Um, two other it's an invest, uh, an investor, husband and wife. They have properties in my um, in Phoenixville, which is a suburb of Philly. And uh, they bought both of these single-family homes uh, with cash. Um, you know, they're they're looking to sell them in the next three or four months, but they don't even have this on the market yet. Um, I want to position um, some seller finance offers on both of them, um, and I'll just talk about one because I've already and I got to get more feedback directly from the sellers. But the question that I have is more around. I'm going to make, uh, you know, a principal only offer on both of these houses. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess, you know, again, this is why it's a plug for the, the fact that we need to take care of the course. Um, I, if I get pushed back on the principal only offer, right. And we'll just talk about one house right now and not necessarily pushback, but they want a principal only. And they also want potentially a principal and interest. Um, the, the thing that I'm trying to figure out, I mean, I'm going to back into what my, you know, anticipated cash flow will be on each of these properties is I'm going to continue to rent them out to the current tenants they have in place 
um, and, and hopefully back into a decent cash flow, you know, on each of these properties. But the question that I have is if they, uh, well, there's really two, um, how do I position potentially what the down payment or what the prepayment would be uh, for how many months of prepaying on, on a principal only offer? Um, but I think at least what the, the, what the, the realtor that's involved has hinted at is if there's going to be pushback that they want some money kind of at, at the year two mark or three mark in, in, in the form of a partial, um, I believe there'd be a much bigger discount on a principal only partial uh, versus, you know, a partial that gets structured on a principal and interest uh, seller finance note. Um, so when you say so guess, when you say if they want a partial, do you mean if they want to sell a partial in two or three years? Yeah, if they want if they say it's the beginning of the third year, so it's month twenty five, and and let's just say they agree to a principal only offer. Uh, I'm just curious how, and I know there's different factors and, and variables that go into figuring out what that partial um, partial would look like. So I know it's it's you know you have to you know underwrite those appropriately, but I'm just like. Is there some kind of general rule of thumb that if you had, and let's just call it like a seven-year partial, um, you know, on a, on a principal-only seller finance note, and you're doing a seven-year partial at beginning of year three, you know, is it discounted forty percent versus maybe like a twenty percent discount? No, there's a, a there's actually a mathematical way to do that, Ed. You you don't have to you don't have to guess by saying, am I going to take a forty percent hit or a twenty percent hit? A note that has been seasoned for three years and you've made all your payments on time and it's a decent house and, you know, the collateral's good, all that stuff. They can sell all or part of the note any day of the week at a 12% return. They can probably sell it at a 10% return. It depends on what interest rates look like three years from now, which is kind of the unknown factor here. And you simply back in, okay, so so how many monthly payments are they going to have to sell to get the amount of cash they need? Because that's, the that's the other piece is like, do, do they want 50000 Do they want 100000 It depends. Um, and how many, how many payments is that going to be for the person who gave them the cash and is now going to be collecting the payments to get 12% to get 10%? I can tell you if you're if you're doing a zero interest loan, they are absolutely going to take a bath in terms of how much of the loan they have to sell to get any given amount of money. But that doesn't that's kind of neither here nor there. What 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 why why are these people selling these houses? Like what's their goal? Yeah, that I don't know yet. Okay. I mean, they've had they've had good tenants too. I mean, I've I've he's talking to the realtor. It's so I like, and I know. I mean, the one house honestly is four doors from my primary residence, so mm-hmm. I know that house very well. Uh, and the other house is right around the corner too. And it's a, it's um, at least the market that I'm in in Phoenixville. It's it's been kind of out of control how much the appreciation has gone up uh, over the last three years in particular. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So, um, so Ed, you do understand that every question you're asking yourself, and I can I can tell you're kind of preparing yourself for like what are the objections going to be, 
and you're trying to like have answers to those objections. But until you know why these sellers are selling and what their goal is, you might as well stop thinking about the objections because when they tell you that, that's going to tell you a lot about what they might do next. Now, clearly the agent believes that they might be open to some sort of payments instead of getting all cash. So that's a good sign. But until you have actually spoken to those sellers and really talked to them about, you know, why are you selling right now? What does your life look like in three years, five years, 10 years? I mean, usually people know if they've got kids graduating from high school that are going to need to go to college and things like that. Then you can sort of structure this in a way that you've already addressed that, oh, I'm going to need money in three years thing. Because, okay, so so let me let me ask you this. Uh, let's say that they, they know that in three years they're going to need 50,000 cash. Okay? And, and mm-hmm. let's say just for roundness of numbers that your payment is $1,000 a month. Okay? So in theory, they could sell 50 months worth of the mortgage and get $50,000, except that the person buying that note is going to want a 12% return. So really, they're going to have to sell off 70 or I mean, I'm, I'm just making up numbers because I don't have a financial calculator with me, but they might have to sell 70 or 75 payments. What is 70 or 75 payments to you? How much does 70 payments cost you at $1,000 a payment? 75,000. 70, 70, 70 payments cost you $70,000. Oh, all right. So if they... If they were willing to sell off 70 payments for 50000 in cash, would you like to have the first right of refusal to buy those next 70 payments? Wow. Well, um, yes. So, in other words, you, you, you would want to write a first right of refusal into the mortgage that said, if you decide to sell in all or part of this mortgage... I get first right of refusal on any offer. So in other words, I will pay it. I, I will pay this. I will either agree to pay the same money or if I don't, that's fine. You can sell it to somebody else. Okay. I guess I was envisioning. I just, I, I just have other investors that, that invest in notes that would want part of, you know, would, would potentially want access to a partial. So I wasn't necessarily thinking of myself in, in this equation. Yes, but that it, it, it could be you. I, I think you're going to find that for the kind of discount they're going to need to take, you would be perfectly happy to prepay that many that many payments. Because you realize that effectively what that means is for the next 75 months, you have no payment. Wow. Because you own that piece of the mortgage. Some Somebody out there, I promise you, somebody out there right now is actually doing the math on this. Some some listeners going, well, let's see, at a 12% discount. And I'm, I'm going to get to the information here in a minute about exactly how many payments. But that's 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 one thing to think about. Um, the So step number one is you've you got to get belly to belly with these people and plan to spend an hour, an hour and a half without actually making an offer. Just, just under, you know, let, let me understand what your ideal price is, why you're selling, what your plans are in the future, when you think you might need money, because you, you can't structure around this right now. Um, as to the down payment, which was the other thing that you asked about, uh, the, some of that's going to come out of that conversation, too, because they may say, well, 
first thing we need is we need $100,000 to buy this house that we, or this piece of land that in Tennessee that we've found that is our dream land. And then you're going to have to figure out, okay, well, that that does seem like a, um, a uh, there has to be $100,000 here somewhere because they're not, you know, that this is their big goal right now. And in that case, you could do the same thing Nick did, also from Philly, uh, which is say, well, why don't you borrow the $100,000 against the houses and then I'll pay it back? Wow. Are you okay, Ed? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, it's, it's, a good, it's a good wow. It's a good wow. No, I, was, I was all along with the first caller. I understood most of what you guys were discussing. Um, not all of it, but, but most of it. Uh, yeah, I guess, like, I, to your point, I know that this is all just a theoretical exercise until I'm, until I get these, these, these bigger picture questions answered. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm well, just curious to more of like, in any situation where you make it principal only versus a principal and interest seller financed offer, um, is there a strategy? And probably the answer probably depends on what the sellers need. Um, but is there a strategy to make one look better than the other? knowing that there's some kind of partial that that has to that that there's some kind of cash influx down the road well partial again i'm not sure that 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 we know that but obviously the more interest you're willing to pay the closer to face value they're able to sell off their payments or their whole note but what you have to balance that against is when you start getting up into rates that are you know, eight, nine, ten percent. You might as well just go to the bank and buy the property. And if you're going to go to the bank and buy the property, you can't pay full price. So you're balancing. Look, I can give you whatever you want for this house as long as as long as my payment is this much every month. I'll, uh, you know, if you want a million dollars, that's fine. I'll just pay you for a hundred years, right? I mean, that's that's one side of it, and the other side of it is you thinking about what they may may need to do in the future. So there's ways, if if they definitely say, as the agent is hinting, in three years, we're going to need X money, you could do anything from, fine, I know note buyers, at at that time, we'll see what rates are like, we'll, I'll find you somebody who will buy X number of payments from you, and then I'll pay them, but I would like the first right of refusal to buy those myself, if you're accepting an offer that I'm like, yeah, I would definitely pay that. Um, I haven't actually seen somebody do this, but there there would be nothing wrong with saying the payments on the the note are not equal payments. I'm going to make thirty six one thousand dollar payments, and then I'm going to make a twenty thousand dollar payment, and then I'm going to go back to the one thousand dollar payments. Well, there's okay. n- nothing well, to stop you from making uneven uneven payments. Um, Although, of course, you would have to plan for that, right? You have to say, in addition to my regular reserves, I need to be banking money so that I can actually meet this little mini balloon that's happening in in three years. But yeah, until you can find out exactly what the whole scope of the situation is, I mean, first of all, you got to plan on, on, there's going to need to be 10%-ish up front either in prepaid payments or in down payment just to pay this agent who I'm guessing is expecting a 6% commission 
and to allow the seller to pay their usual closing fees in the state of Pennsylvania, their transfer taxes and deed preparation and things like that. Well, when you say 6%, I mean, would, would it really be 6%? There's technically really only one side to the, like, you know, I'm... Have you, I mean, have, you also, have you also not talked to this wonderful agent who brought you this off-market deal about what her expectations are? I, I was positioning 3% already, and, she, you know, and she's been fine with it. Okay, well, but, if you've already talked about 3%, good, okay? <laughs> That's th- Although, I might tip her an extra percent just to keep these deals rolling in personally. Um, so, so, yeah, just, just figure agent plus regular seller closing costs. They're going to need to catch the taxes up, right? they got to pay the taxes up to the date of the closing, all that stuff. They may feel like, well, if we don't have a little extra money, then this guy's got no skin in the game somehow, even though he did put money up front. And they may have some immediate goal, like I said, about we, we have to have X dollars to go do this other thing. That makes sense. I happen to prefer prepaid payments to down payments because even on a 0% interest loan, uh, you don't, you don't save that much per month by putting down a big down payment. But if you make prepaid payments, that gives you a year to save up reserves with all of your cash flow before you have to make a payment. And then that's either myself or another possible investor helping with the, the prepayments. It could be. Or, again, don't forget the option that they could go borrow money against their properties and then you could pay it back. And it could still be 0%. What's the total, what's the total purchase price of the properties? Uh, both, I mean, the... Well, where the one that we're taught that I was walking through this example, the the appraised value is about five forty, and on the second one, the appraised value is around three ninety. Are these single families? Yes. And they're going to cash flow. Uh, the one, yeah, the the one for five forty. Uh, I mean, again, it's been a it's been a super hot market, but right now they the. The one, the higher price point one, they have uh, four renters in there, so it's not a family. So this, it's a little. They're getting three thousand dollars a month. Is it currently? A, is it a pad split? Say that again. Is it a pad split? Do they have four leases on a single family home? Is that what's happening? Uh, I think it's just for guys that know each other i don't know if they're in i don't think i don't think so i think it's one lease with four tenants under that same lease okay is that market rent if those guys moved out could it, yeah you... it's probably it's probably four hundred dollars above rent okay for, so for that you need to do all your numbers on standard single family rent you can't you can't go based on what they happen to be getting because they have an unusual situation you have to go based on actual market rent, and you have to remember to subtract your taxes and insurance and maintenance and vacancy and capital expenditures. So the, the, the payment to them is going to be significantly under 3000 But then again, they're going to have no expenses on the property going forward. And it's going to take a long time, even at 0% interest, to 
amortize a $540,000 loan at what I suspect your payment's going to be, which is probably going to be 1200 or something like that. So yeah, it's, so. it's at some point off in the future, you will probably put a balloon in this, but like way far off 10, 10, 20 years, something like that. Cause you just, it, it you, you're looking at like a 500 month amortization unless you put a giant down payment down. So, yeah, go talk to the sellers, because like like yeah, like, like like I'm just yeah. guessing about all of this stuff, and uh, until you have some real idea of of what their goal is, what they're doing, what they want, um, I you know I think your idea of zero percent is great. Uh, if you obviously you never say zero percent, you say I'd like to pay you the five forty a month, and here's how I'd like to do it. If they happen to say, oh, well, what's the interest rates, uh, which is very rare, I usually say, oh, I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about interest. I thought the interest was kind of built into the fact that I gave you, you know, full, full, full price for your house. Um, if you need interest, I can go back and recalculate because what I did was I figured out how much of a payment I could make every month. And if there's interest, that's just going to lower the price of the house. But I can do that if that's important to you. But they rarely actually say that. But also you're making the point, too, it's again, with the first call, that having, you know, kind of lease options in your tool belt, too, is mm-hmm. important. Um, you know, this is very helpful. No, yeah, I, I've, uh, I definitely got a little too far ahead of myself, but um, step number one, you know, obviously I knew this, too. You can't just rely 100% on the realtor, but... I need to find out really the current and the future needs of the sellers to see if a a potential seller finance offer will work for them. Yes, you do. I appreciate your call, Ed. Thanks, Lena. All right. We need to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to the last caller on the line, if they're still there, and that is Tony in Columbus. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's question and answer week, only somehow it became coaching call week. <laughs> I don't know exactly how that happened, but it was kind of interesting. Um, if you guys would like to see the occasional show where we spend a lot of time working on one deal like that, let me know at askvina at gmail.com. And uh, I'm sure there would be other people who would be willing to come on and talk in detail about their deals. In the meantime, let's see if Tony from Columbus is still on the line. Tony, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hey, Zena. This is Tony Stewart from Columbus, Ohio. Tony, you have the patience of a saint. Oh, it was awesome. It was great information for sure. Those two calls really put you through it. And, uh, yes, I'd love to see more of that. Okay. Um, I want to first, uh, first off, I want to thank you for the summit last weekend. It was incredible. It was the first time I've gone to a summit and it was so well organized. I had a chance to thank you personally. I want to thank you and the crew for all you did to make it a, uh, just an excellent, uh, just an excellent experience. Well, thank you. Did and, you meet? Um, did you meet some good people? Met, met some incredible people. Did incredible networking, and uh, got a lot of information. And as I told my wife on the way home back to Columbus, you know, the key now is to take this information. Of course, we signed up for VIP and we had those notes. We want to make sure that we're not broke intellectuals. I.e., we want to take what we can from that. Added to our systems, augment our systems, 
but get to work applying it, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things uh, we noticed, we sat in a class, and we just happened to sit behind a lady who was feverishly taking notes on her computer. And we were so impressed with her because it was you. <laughs> and uh, I said, wow, this is, this is great leadership right here. And the question I have for you, it's a softball question to end your show, is even after being in the business for so many years, obviously you have a, a learner spirit. Can you tell me a few things that you got from the weekend that you learned maybe that you didn't know or that was solidified from what you were able to take advantage of? So I learned some things I didn't know, um, and that that uh, that was a lot from the technical people. You know, uh, Scott Ellsworth talked about that I can take my houses and I can break them into pieces and I can depreciate the pieces faster, Mm -hmm. like a lot faster. And I actually had a conversation with a a partner on a, a, we have a kind of an expensive-ish single-family home, and I was like, I'm pretty sure we could save, like, pretty sure we could depreciate $100,000 of that house over the next five years and look at what the cash flow, (laughs) what it would do to the cash flow. Should should we do it? And she's like, "Uh, yeah. So a lot of those technical things um like i had never really i I had heard of series llcs but i never really sat down and listened to what they were all about until uh, bill bronchick was talking about them so Mm -hmm. that's that's a that's a setup that if i had known about it 10 years ago i would have done things differently than i did um sometimes what i'm learning is just other people's approaches to things and i got a shout out to courtney fricky for that yeah. one. Oh my gosh. I've been telling people for years, you can't get re- deals from real estate agents. They don't like creative finance and they, you know, they, they're all fat and happy because the market's so good. And she sat up there for an hour and a half and described how she gets her deals from real estate agents. And I went, okay, so I'm an idiot. And <laughs> she, uh, it, it, well, the way to do it is, is not just make offers on MLS properties. It's actually go out and meet the agents and find the ones who are open to it. Of yeah. course, there were yeah. agents who were open to it. I, I don't know why I had this idea that, you know, none of them want to do it. Of course, there are agents who are like, uh, yeah, if, if that's what gets me paid, that's what I'm going to do. So, the, you know, that was huge. And a lot of times what I hear is stuff that I'm like, yeah, I knew that. And I should be doing it. And I don't know why I'm not doing it. And now I'm now I was just inspired to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, um, yeah, in the, as, as you know, we had some unexpected challenges yes. that popped up <laughs> during the well event. Well navigated, by the way. Well navigated. <laughs> yeah, for those of you who weren't there, uh, one of our speakers who actually had a general session on Friday night let us know on Friday morning that he was not going to be able to be there on Friday night. So there was a wild scramble uh, for what is what is going to be the complete change. I actually went around that hotel and said, did anybody here happen to be a stage hypnotist? Anybody here? Anybody here? Wow. Anybody near her near to hypnotize people? And uh, um, yeah, thanks to my mastermind group of real leaders, we were able to to put something together. So I, that 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 I think that right there is going to be my big takeaway from this particular convention is when you don't know what the heck to do and you can't think, go find your peeps, <laughs> yeah. get them, get them in a room and say, what would y'all do? Because I mean, this wasn't this was a non real estate example, but isn't that true of real estate too? It applies to everything. I mean, the, the power of the mastermind, right? Absolutely, you know, 100%. You know, so 
Absolutely. And so I just want to give you kudos, not only for the event, but for how you showed up at the event. <laughs> because it was great, like I said, it was great leadership. You showed a teachable spirit. You didn't walk around there like you were above it all. And therefore, you couldn't learn anything because you know all this stuff. You had a real spirit that said, hey, if Venus willing to pay attention like this, maybe we should be doing it too. Well, Tony, so. that's that's very nice. I appreciate it. That's a great, great last call. Uh, we are out of time, um, but I will see you at next year's summit. Uh, you've been listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll be back next week with more information, more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.